The following talk was given by Bear Gokon Bonabacher at the Zen Center of New York City. Gokon is a senior monastic and Dharma holder in the Mountains and Rivers Order. He serves as director of operations at Zen Mountain Monastery and also helps run the National Buddhist Prison Sangha. This talk, like all of our talks, is given free of charge. If you would like to make a donation or find out more about our various programs, visit us online at zmm.org slash zcnyc. Thanks for listening. Having few desires. Not seeking too much among the objects of the five desires, which are not yet obtained, is called having few desires. The Buddha says, you practitioners should know that because those who have many desires search for fame and profit, there is much suffering. Those who have few desires look around less and desire little. Therefore, they have no worry of this sort. You should practice if only to have few desires. Needless to say, having few desires produces many merits. Those who have few desires do not have to flatter in order to ingratiate themselves with others. Also, they withstand temptations from the various sense organs. One who practices having few desires has neither, neither worry nor fear, for their mind is peaceful. Whatever they come into contact with, they find that it is enough, and they never lack anything. Having few desires, they are in nirvana. This is called having few desires. So this is a teaching from what's called the Eight Awarenesses, which is in one of the Mahayana Sutras This is presented as the, the Buddha's last teaching before he, before he died, before he entered nirvana. And it is um, a fairly simple teaching, this, this list of eight awarenesses, the Buddha offering some teaching around each. And then Dogen Zenji, who is credited with bringing Zen to Japan from China, took up this same teaching from this sutra, the Buddha's teachings, and um, it was his last teaching in his sort of master work. And he didn't say very much, he didn't comment on it very much, he really just presented the Buddha's teachings. This is a teaching that I have um, found helpful myself, I've talked about before. I am using a um, translation and commentary from Maizumi Roshi, who is kind of our Dharma great-grandfather, so in our, in our lineage. And this, having few desires, is, is the first in the list of eight awarenesses. And these are simple teachings. There's a way in which this is a simple teaching. And yet one that if you explore it, um, as I have been working with this, reflecting on it, seeing how really it touches the whole of the path, That's true, I think, of maybe of each aspect of the path. If you investigate deeply, go deeply into one aspect, you will, everything will be revealed. You'll find what you need. So as Mizumi Roshi says, if we really see the truth of the five desires which are not yet gained, then we see prajna wisdom. And having prajna wisdom, seeing that there is nothing outside of ourselves, we naturally desire little. So the Buddha says, not seeking too much among the objects of the five desires, which are not yet obtained, is called having few desires. 
having few desires among the things that we don't have yet, that we don't have. And so there is this fundamental teaching in Buddhism about desire, the Buddha's original teachings, the Four Noble Truths. There is suffering, and it comes from desire. It comes from our desire. That is its cause. Our dissatisfaction is caused by our desire. What is sometimes called ordinary suffering in the teachings is not getting what we want and getting what we don't want. Our human experience. And the Buddha said that um, we humans, when we are dissatisfied, uncomfortable, all we know how to do is to turn towards look for pleasure. That's our response. Look for something to make ourselves feel better. As my teacher says, how's that working? And so we are constantly overestimating the amount of pleasure that something will give us. And so when we get it, we're disappointed because it doesn't meet our, our expectations. And so we're disappointed, and then how do we deal with that disappointment? Turn, look for something else. Even when we do get what we want, things are pretty good, our life is pretty good, then we worry. It's not going to last. We know. We all know nothing lasts. And so we worry about losing what we have. And there's also aversion. So kind of the flip side of desire, wanting things to be other than they are, overestimating the amount of pain that things are going to give us. And so putting a lot of energy into avoiding, trying to escape. And I think this is interesting. You know, the teachings say so much about desire. And aversion is really just, it's like not so different. It's really just the other side of it but less in the teachings about aversion. And so this this teaching on having few desires is an invitation to look, to look at desire, to look at attachment, to look at expectation, disappointment. And always the invitation in, in practice is to look deeply, to look kind of below the surface when we feel desire, what is it that we desire? What's actually happening? Is it the thing? Or is it the feeling that we think it's going to give us? What's actually happening? The five desires that he um, mentions are um, food, status, sex, sleep, power, kind of broad categories that kind of capture it all. (laughs) He also talks um, about the five senses. And so sometimes the five desires are associated with the five senses. Form, sensation, taste, sound, smell. It seems like the desire, the, the senses have desire, right? We look for particular form, forms. We crave particular tastes, sensations. 
And so again, what's actually happening when there is that the senses seem to be wanting, looking. There is, it seems, general human confusion around desire. A lot of teachings, cultural, religious, seeing that this, they are a powerful force in our lives, sometimes get us into trouble. Desires also bring us out of ourselves into the world, into contact. There are messages that we get confusing, I think, and confused messages, I think, around desire. Some shaming, telling us we should feel guilty, that we should control in some ways, or that we are wanting to control us. I think Buddhism would just say, yes, we are confused. It is confusing. It's suffering. And Buddhism is all about liberating suffering. And so this is a place where we need to look if we want to liberate suffering, ease our suffering. If there is shame or guilt or controlling, that's just part of the tangle, part of the tangle of suffering that needs loosening. And so the Buddha's teaching here about desire is not meant to um, add any shame or guilt. It is not saying that desire is, or desires are bad. Saying, look, what happens? What's happening? And I think worth noticing that the teaching says, is about having few desires, not seeking too much among the objects of the five desires. What's the right amount? The Buddha says, you practitioners should know that because those who have many desires search for fame and profit, there is much suffering. This fame and profit, fame and gain is a I think a shorthand reference to another teaching um, called the eight worldly conditions or the eight worldly desires, which are fame and disrepute, pleasure and pain, praise and blame, gain and loss. So another way of um, helping us to understand samsara, it points to our condition, our habitual condition, constantly wanting or afraid wanting pleasure and avoiding pain, wanting praise, waiting for it, desperate for it, hoping for it, or afraid of making a mistake and being blamed, criticized. This cycle that we are so much caught in. A few months ago, there was a teacher named Judy Leaf, who was a teacher in the Shambhala tradition, who came to the monastery to do a a retreat for a few days. And the text that she was using, that she was teaching from, included a passage about the eight worldly conditions. And when she came to that section, she asked us, those of us who were there participating in the retreat, to share what, so how do we encounter these in our own experience? 
How do we experience them? Not what the teachings say these eight worldly conditions are, but how do we experience them? How do they arise in our own mind? How do we see them in our zazen? And it was interesting. She kind of had a hard time getting answers from us. People would say, people like knew this teaching and would say, oh, fame and gain, pleasure and pain, right? And she's saying, no, how do you experience it? What do you see yourself doing? Trying to help us see that that's what the teachings are always trying to do, is help us see our own mind, see our own experience, understand ourselves so that we can work with ourselves. And sometimes it takes a little bit of work to do that, right? to make that connection. Reflect and bring the teachings in so that we can actually see that they are pointing to our own mind. They are pointing to our own experience. Kind of amazing how these ancient teachings point to our own experience. Eventually someone said, yeah, think about the future, money. Nobody had the courage to say anything about love and romance. What are the things that you worry about, that you desire, that you see yourself going to in your mind, that pull at your attention? Patterns, habits, rise again and again, maybe arise at particular times. I was remembering at the end of a meditation retreat at the monastery, someone had, one of the monitors in the Zendo had said towards the end of the retreat, where is your mind now? Come back. And then afterwards someone said, yeah, I was fully immersed making chicken cacciatore. And, you know, we have these patterns of thought. We have these things that we go to. And they are thoughts. But then we have a whole, like, embodied experience of these thoughts. We have a whole relationship with these thoughts. Particularly the ones that we are familiar with, the ones that we go back to. Ones that arise over and over again. They feel a particular way. What is it that we get from them? This is something that I think is helpful to look at. And so maybe in Zazen, when you come to the end of a period of Zazen and you realize, oh, I was lost again in that old fantasy. Maybe you were making chicken cacciatore. And as the period comes to an end, to, to look, right? Well, what did you get? Did you get something? You did get something. We do get something, right? There is a feeling. Did you get what you wanted? Is it satisfying? Because we do get something, because there is, so if it's a pleasurable thought, if you like making chicken cacciatore, you like cooking, then it feels good, it's fun, right? And that's why it's hard to let go of it. 
but to look. Did you get what you wanted? Is it satisfying? What do you want? The Buddha says, those who have few desires look around less and desire little. Therefore, they have no worry of this sort. I thought this was interesting. He says, we look around less. And so we have a practice when we're in the Zendo, most of the time, so not when you're listening to a talk, but most of the time to keep your eyes lowered. When we do meditation intensives here or at the monastery, that's one of the, the guidelines of how to, how to be in that retreat, is keeping our eyes lowered, not looking around. So we get to see what happens when we don't look around. So what are the ways that we look around? What are we looking for? I was thinking like, why is it so interesting to watch other people? Just like walking down the street. And, you know, I don't come to the city that often. There are a lot of people to watch down here. (laughs) But are we trying to get something? Are we getting something? Looking around less, turning inwards, what do we find? What happens when we don't look around so much? Are we looking around because we don't want to look inwards? Is there some discomfort we're avoiding? Is that why we're looking around? So that we don't look inwards? When we do turn inwards, settle, what do we find? Is it uncomfortable? And there's the looking around that we do with our eyes And there's looking around that we do in our mind. So I notice sometimes I sit down to do a period of zazen and it's like my mind says, okay, now what am I going to think about? How am I going to make myself feel good? Divert myself. This teaching on having few desires comes before a teaching on knowing how to be satisfied. Stop looking around so much. Stop looking outside so much. Thinking that that's where we'll find satisfaction. Of preparing ourselves to find what is it to be satisfied. One of the Buddha's pith teachings was, and almost kind of a, a mantra, was this is not me, this is not mine, This is not myself. This is not me. This is not mine. This is not myself. And he said this because we think it is me. It is mine. It is myself. When you see that you're attached to something, and so that can simply mean when, like when you're caught up in a fantasy or any thought pattern, Right, you're attached. What are you attached to? The feelings, the thoughts, how they make you feel about yourself? Is there a sense that they are you? Are you your thoughts? Do your thoughts belong to you? Again, to look what's actually there, what's actually happening. What is a thought? 
Is there something that you can touch? What is it that we get so attached to that is so hard to let go of, that we hold on to so desperately sometimes? And how is it when we let go? How is it when we let go? Azumi Roshi says, wisdom is seeing that there's nothing outside of us. There is actually nothing that can make you more or less complete. That can make me more or less complete. Each moment is complete. Complete. But mostly we don't understand this. We don't trust this. It sure seems like things can give us something. So this teaching about desire, I think really is just a teaching about delusion, how we're deluded. Desire is a, is a, a good way in, a kind of an accessible way in. It is one of the ways that we're deluded. It's a good place to look to look at how not seeing things as they are, we, we grasp, we hold on, we, we get attached. Seeing things to be more real than they are, attributing qualities, imputing expectation onto things in a way more than they can meet. So we get disappointed we get confused, we suffer. So again, an invitation to look. Can we see that this is happening? Constantly, repeatedly. Can we loosen the pull, not look around so much, not chase after so much? And not chasing so much giving ourselves the opportunity to know for ourselves, to see for ourselves what it is to be satisfied. The Buddha says, one who practices having few desires has neither worry nor fear, for their mind is peaceful. Whatever they come into contact with, they find that it is enough, and they never lack anything. My Zumu Roshi is commentary, he says, in actual practice, delusions like greed, anger, are not only habitual, but exist in the emotional domain as well, and so are difficult to take care of. It takes a long time. But he says, we can take care of these delusions and desires little by little. I really appreciated this part of his commentary. Delusions exist in the emotional realm, the emotional domain, in our emotional, feeling, subtle body. We are emotional beings. And so we feel things. We feel things that are connected to thoughts. And I think this is a really important thing to look at, to see, to see in your own experience how thoughts and feelings, sensations, emotions are connected, go together, work together. 
come one after another so closely, feed one another. I think we also feel things that are not connected to thought. Sometimes this has bothered me. When I feel I'm feeling something in my body and I can't sort of figure out what's going on in my thoughts. I can't see the thoughts that are leading to those feelings, sensations, emotions. And sometimes I think it's that we, and this is my experience, sometimes it's just that I I can't yet hear the thoughts. It's like they're too quiet. I haven't gotten quiet enough to listen, to hear what I'm saying. And sometimes I don't think that there are thoughts. We're just experiencing it in, like, in our embodied emotional body. There are habits and energies, things that kind of move more deeply in us, maybe more subtle, and require a different kind of listening. And so to find for ourselves how to listen into our subtle body, our emotional body, and learn to work in different ways. How do we let go in the body? Learning to let go of thoughts. We learn something. But how do we do that when there's not a thought? We allow space to work in this way, sort of more mysterious part of ourselves, more elusive. It doesn't mean that it's not workable. It is workable. Everything is workable. Allow space, slow down, be gentle. Sokni Rinpoche, who's a Tibetan Buddhist teacher, has a teaching where he says, it is real, but not true. I found this very helpful. I I was pointed to this recently and and, um, I think it connects to to what I've been talking about. And he kind of, again, kind of offers this as as a mantra, as a reminder. It's real, but not true. And often when he teaches about this, he uses an example from his own life of crossing a bridge over a big gorge. And he knows that he has a fear of heights. That's helpful information for him. And so, but then coming up to this bridge, his body fills with fear. His body's basically saying, wait, you're going to die. But he looks around and he sees that there are lots of other people crossing the bridge, making it to the other side. His head can say, you're probably going to be okay. Real, but not true. And so there are feelings that we feel in the body, reactions, the story that goes along with them. I'm not getting what I want. I'm not getting enough attention. And the story that comes along and fleshes that out, 
He likes them more than me. He never listens to me. He always listens to them. It makes sense. Creates a whole reality. My reality. Thoughts, feelings, story working together. And so an important part of practice is seeing all of this, seeing our mind, seeing our body-mind, knowing what we're feeling, what's happening, what's happening. I'm scared, I'm upset in some way, I'm having a reaction, my body is taking over. I'm reacting to the reaction that I'm having, I'm reacting to the feeling in my body acting out of that, in response to that. And this is real. What's happening in your body-mind is real. The sensations that you're feeling, the feelings you're feeling, they're real. Right? Buddhism is not denying that. We can't deny that. There's truth to, there is, careful words I'm using here. (laughs) Your experience is real. But if we can allow enough space, if we can slow down, we can ask, but is it true? Is it true? Is it what's actually happening? This is what we're learning in Zazen. This is just letting go, seeing a thought and letting it go. We are also, with time, seeing our mind and seeing our mind over time getting to know ourselves, becoming familiar with ourselves. So that when this thing arises in my body-mind, I can recognize it. Oh, getting upset again. I'm feeling neglected again. There is the feeling in my body that goes with that, the story that goes with that. I know this. I've heard this before. I have felt this before. And so feeling that, knowing that, can I keep my seat, keep my feet on the ground, not get swept away, not believe so much, not be so convinced, allow enough space to look, to wonder what's actually happening, what's actually happening. Maizumi Roshi says, we can take care of our delusions little by little. Take care of our desires little by little. It takes time to change. Some of our habits, patterns, desires, stories about ourselves are deep in us. We have been, they have been with us for a long time. In a sense, we've been cultivating them for a long time believing them for a long time. Often they happen without us really being conscious of them, kind of sneak in without us noticing the door was open. But as as Mizumi Roshi says, we can take care of them. And I think it's interesting how he says that, we can take care of them. Shigen Roshi sometimes talks about This has been very helpful to me, kind of respecting our deep patterns, 
respecting them, knowing they're not just going to change all of a sudden. We can't just turn them off. We can't just decide they're not working anymore and discard them. We shouldn't expect them to just go away. And to have faith also that things change. Things can change. With practice, with effort. And we work on things in all the different ways that we can work on them. And finding ways to work, learning ways to work. So with things that are sort of deep and subtle in the body, how do we speak to the body? How, we, how do we speak to our emotional body? How do we feel into things that are below thought? It is gentle. Sokni Rinpoche says, be kind to yourself. And to know that we can't always see how things are changing. You keep practicing, and sometimes you just, you can't see that anything's happening. And then maybe you realize things have changed. Things are different. You didn't see it happening. Maybe you didn't even realize that's what you were working on. But you realize something has changed. And that gives, gives us faith. I was realizing some months ago, feeling that when I get irritated, I'm not feeling it in my body in the same way. The sort of flash of energy in my stomach doesn't arise so much. I still get irritated, but it's like I'm feeling it in a different way. It's like up in my mouth, it feels a little stale. Things change. And so this is our, our practice, our Mahayana Zen practice not getting rid of thoughts and feelings and desires, but knowing them for what they are, looking into what is this actually, what's happening actually, and seeing into them, seeing into what they are actually, being less convinced by them, less taken by them. We don't need to be controlled by them. They can have less power. And they may fall away. They may not. But we can see them differently. And seeing into our own nature, becoming more comfortable and convinced of our own nature, we can know that we don't need to look around so much. We don't need to look outside of ourselves. Thank you for listening. To find out more about ZMM's programs, retreats and residency, please visit us online at zmm.org.